Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Uh, Kate is going to read the Bible for us. So the Bible passage is from John chapter 12, verse 20 to 36. From verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Thank you, Kate. Good evening, everyone. My name's Ron, and it's great to be with you tonight and to be able to uh, speak on this passage that Kate has just read for us. Well, uh, recently, a particular children's game has become quite popular, the game of red light, green light. And uh, some of you know why this has become popular, and it's because of a Netflix show called Squid Game. Now, if you're watching Squid Game, you'll know that there's some unusual and, let's just say, life-changing twists in the way that the game's played. But without going into all those twists, red light, green light requires a good sense of timing to be able to play. You need to know when to move and you need to know when not to move, when to stop. I don't remember playing red light, green light so much as a child, but I did play a variation of this game, a game that's called What's the Time, Mr Wolf? Did anyone play that? Excellent. You know what's going on then. Almost any time is safe in that game, except, of course, for? Thank you, dinner time. 
Dinner time changes the game. When it's dinner time, the purpose of the game becomes apparent and the purpose is for the wolf to catch his dinner. Now, fortunately for the person who gets caught, that doesn't end like perhaps it would in Squid Game. The process of the game is at the right time, the wolf calls dinner time and starts chasing the players until he can catch one uh, that becomes his dinner or they all make it back to safety and then it starts again. And the end result or the product of the game is that the person who's caught becomes the new wolf. I think that's what it means to be eaten for dinner in that particular game. Time, or more precisely the hour, is a theme of John's Gospel. And as we've been going through John, it's come up a few times. Perhaps we haven't drawn attention to it, but those who have ears to hear may have heard the use of hour. At least three times, Jesus has said, my hour has not yet come. And so John's building some anticipation about this hour. And here, in John chapter 12, the hour arrives. And it arrives, or it's triggered, by a couple of Greeks, a couple of non-Jews, who turn up at the Jewish festival of Passover wanting to see Jesus. Now, it's not uncommon for Greeks or non-Jews to come into Jewish festivals. In fact, the Jerusalem temple allowed them to come and participate in Judaism to worship. They were allowed to come into a part of the temple called the Court of the Gentiles. And the temple's architecture was a reminder that God had a plan not just for the Israelites, for the Jewish people, but indeed he had a plan for the whole world. The Greeks came wanting to see Jesus. Now, see is another trigger word in John's Gospel. And it's not just a casual word used for, you know, hey, I want an appointment with Jesus, can you check his diary and... See is a word that's used to believe in Jesus. The Greeks come wanting to believe in Jesus. And this, as Jesus hears this, this is the trigger for him to say in verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. These non-Jews are the trigger point for this hour of Jesus. So what's the purpose of this hour? And what's the process by which this hour comes about? And finally, what's the end result or the product of this hour? We're going to think about those three things just briefly. Jesus tells us what the purpose of the hour is. The purpose is for him to be glorified. Great. But what's that mean? What's it mean for Jesus to be glorified. The idea of glory is one of honour. We glorify something when we make its greatness known. Jesus is saying that this moment, this hour that's coming, that's about to arrive, is his moment. After all the disputes and controversies, after all the conversations that have happened throughout Jesus' journey to this point, now is the time when people will see him for who he is, 
when people will see his true greatness and where people will honour him. Now this is really fascinating because fresh in our mind, perhaps from last week if you were here or if you just cast your eye back up John chapter 12, you will see that just earlier John has told us how Jesus came into Jerusalem in what we call a triumphal entry or uh, in, in what we know as Palm Sunday with crowds of people cheering him on. Now, we live in a culture that thinks life should have a trajectory that's like up and to the right, that things should just get better and better and better. So when we hear Jesus say that his, his hour is coming, and when we know that Jesus has just had this hour, another hour when he came in and all the crowds were there like a big ticker tape parade, we are tempted to wonder what is going to happen next. If, if things just get bigger and better and Jesus has already had that massive ticker tape parade, what is the hour going to look like? If this was the level of glory that came when he came into Jerusalem, what's his hour actually going to be? But what we discover is that the hour of Jesus' glory is not an up and to the right trajectory. The hour of glory looks different. The hour of glory is the hour of Jesus' death. Verse 24, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus' true glory would be shown in a death that would bring new life. But all this wasn't easy for Jesus. We learn in verse 27 that Jesus' soul is troubled. And he wonders, should he ask his father to save him from this moment? No, he determines. This isn't the moment for him to be saved from the world. This is the moment for him to save the world. This hour is not just Jesus' 15 minutes of fame. It's not just the moment when he's going to go viral. This is the moment. The moment that Jesus has been building toward and the moment that God has been working toward since the other moment in the garden when people were deceived by the devil and turned their backs on God. This is the moment that the whole creation has been anticipating. This is the moment when God's purpose for creation will be fully revealed. And so Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Father, show how good you are. Father, show your faithfulness to your promise to rescue your people. Father, show yourself now not just as the true king of the Israelites and of the Jews, but as the king of the whole world. 
Father, glorify yourself. But the hour of Jesus' glory is the hour of his imminent death. And the product of the hour, the result of this death will be two things and we see them in verse 31 and 32. Have a look at it. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Two things. The first is judgment. Judgment on the world. But before we go too far into that, in John 12:47, if you cast your eyes down there, Jesus says, For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So which is it? Is this about judgment for the world or is it not about judgment for the world? The judgment that Jesus is speaking of in verse 31 is particularly a judgment on the prince of this world, the devil. In the coming moment, in the hour, the devil will be judged. The death of Jesus is not just a victory for humanity. The death of Jesus is a cosmic victory of light over darkness. God is glorified because his defeat of the devil and his defeat of the power of darkness becomes clear as Jesus hangs on a cross. As Jesus dies, taking on the sin of the world, he strips the devil of the devil's power. He declares the devil to be in the wrong and he exposes the final destiny of the devil. He judges the devil, stripping him of his princely ambition as he, Jesus, saves the world. The second result of this glorification is that Jesus will draw people to himself. As I said earlier, Greeks could enter into the court of the Gentiles but they couldn't go any further. And they were reminded of this when they came into the temple by a wall that divided the court of the Gentiles from the rest of the temple. It was a symbolic wall reminding the Greeks that while they could come in a certain way, they couldn't come all the way in. The Apostle Paul, another follower of Jesus, writes in the book of Ephesians that Jesus by his death, has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, thus creating one new humanity. Remember it was two Greeks that wanted to come and see Jesus and that was the trigger point for Jesus' hour because he needed to do something about this barrier between the Jews and the non-Jews. And through his death, Jesus says, People are drawn together and together in him. The hour for glory has come. The hour for Jesus' glory is the hour of death. It's a glorious hour because in it, evil is judged. It's a glorious hour because through it, people are united together and brought together in Jesus. But the arrival of Jesus' hour 
triggers the arrival of the hour for all of us. John records at the end of uh, chapter 12 that some people believe and others don't. And we're kind of used to that pattern as we've been going through John, that whatever Jesus does, some believe and others don't. But again, we must consider our own response to Jesus' hour of glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. We do not wait or live for some other moment. Our hour has come. Salvation is here. Life has arrived. Do you believe? Now, those of you who have been coming regularly through this series might go, man, they've been banging on about do, do we believe in Jesus like week in, week out? And I've got to tell you as a preacher it's hard not to because John keeps asking us this question and he tells us at the end of his book, he says, I'm writing with the purpose that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that you might have life in his name. This is his whole purpose for writing. And I'm not embarrassed to stand here again and say to you, do you believe in Jesus? Because it is the most significant question that anyone can ever ask you in life. And if you don't yet believe in Jesus, my strong encouragement and urge for you is to find out more. And if you don't need to find out more, if you've just been putting it on pause thinking, oh, I'll get around to that some other time or there's a few things I want to take care of first. What are you doing? Life is here. Jesus offers you life now, today. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't put it off. It's here now. The hour has come. Respond to the hour. Chat with myself or Chris or with a friend you know who's a Christian, about what this means. We would love to talk to you more. But don't walk out the building again without first determining to believe in Jesus. And for those of us who do believe, we need to think about what it means for us to live in this hour. Because the purpose of our hour, the hour of believers, is about glory as well. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 12. Those who believe in Jesus, we're told, were chosen in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. In the crazy way that God has ordered things, God's people, believers in Jesus, display his glory. But how do we do that? What's the process by which we, with all our flaws and faults and failings, might display the glory of Christ? Thankfulness is one way in which we can glorify God. Thankful hearts place God above ourselves. God above everything else. Thankful hearts declare the greatness and glory of God. And we can thank God 
individually and we can thank God collectively. We can give thanks collectively as the people of St. Matt's for the 50 years that this building has been here, serving the people of this community and presenting the message of Christ to them. I think that's a wonderful thing that we can be thankful for. We get to meet in it today, but but we can be thankful for the people who 50 years ago sacrificed so that this building could be here, had the vision to build it and sacrificed so that we could sit here. And for all the years in between where there's been faithful Christ-centred ministry, we give thanks for that. We can give thanks collectively for uh, the news that we got just this week that the state government has come to the party and by way of a grant of uh, $33,000 is going to help us upgrade our ventilation and put air conditioning in this building. How good is that? Right? Yeah. We can give thanks to God collectively for that. But here's the thing. It's not always up and to the right. Sometimes it is and I'm not going to knock it back when it is. But it's not always like that. Earlier this year, I felt like our church was actually getting quite a lot of up and to the right momentum, a lot of traction. Things were just starting to roll. And then lockdown came. And I remember at the end of June just sitting one day in my office going, that momentum, it's just gone. I can be tricked into thinking That momentum is what brings glory to God. But throughout lockdown, St. Matt's didn't stop bringing glory to God. God was glorified in all sorts of ways. In difficult and challenging times, as you demonstrated love in your homes, in what was sometimes very trying and challenging circumstances, you brought glory to God. As you offered support to others and practical care in all sorts of ways through phone calls or meals or going for walks with people, that brings glory to God. And in some of the toughest times that you've had to face, in some of the times where you felt most most isolated, most disconnected, in some of those challenges, in some of the challenges that life has thrown at you, your grace and humility in engaging with those situations brings glory to God. Glory to God doesn't just happen in up and to the right momentum and that shouldn't actually surprise us. The hour of glory for Jesus is the hour of death. And Jesus says in John chapter 12, 25 and 26, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am my servant also will be. Just as the hour of glory is the hour of death for Jesus, so for those who follow him. We walk in his way. We lose our life. We die to self. And in dying to self, God is glorified. 
We die to self in a whole range of ways. We die to self by saying no again to that temptation that reaches out and grabs you. And as you say no to it again, you glorify God. We die to self by taking time out of the worldly rush to spend time with Jesus. And as we do, those moments of quietness, the discipline of coming with him into a space to listen to him and to talk to him, those moments bring glory to God. We die to ourselves by making sacrifices like the financial ones that many of you will make today. And when we do, we say to God, your kingdom matters. I will die to myself for its sake and God is glorified. The hour of glory is the hour of death. It was for Jesus and it is for us. And the result of all this, as we live this sort of life, is that people are drawn to Jesus. As we give up our lives, as we lay them down, as we live in weakness and humility, something countercultural happens. People see Jesus. Peter urges us in his writing. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Just as Jesus' death drew people to himself, as we live by dying to ourselves in this hour, in our hour, people are drawn to him. At St. Matt's we talk about that as engaging our world with grace and truth. And in all the struggles of ministry and life, we need confidence not in ourselves, but in the way of Jesus. We need confidence that the hour of glory is the hour of death. We need confidence that we will continue to choose to give up our life that we might gain a better one. The Apostle Paul understood this. Uh, He understood it because the Lord gave him a specific word. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians 12. What the Lord said to Paul is this, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And because of what God had said to Paul, Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power might rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I'm thankful for my weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We don't bring glory to God in our own strength. We bring glory to God through our weakness. The hour of glory is the hour of death. Live this life 
in the power of a cross-shaped life that people might be drawn to Jesus and that the Lord God might be glorified. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that when the hour came, you came to the hour. Thank you that though glory meant death, you didn't hold back, but you went to the cross that your Father might be glorified, that we might have life, that people might be drawn to yourself and that the devil and all evil might be judged. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. And we ask that you might strengthen us by your Holy Spirit, that you might work in and through us for your glory as well, enabling us day by day to die to self and to live for you. And would you be pleased as we die to self to so reveal yourself to those around us that they too might want to come and see Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.